Hello and welcome to this week's instalment of Nucleus Investment Insights. This week we turn our focus back on world markets as the second corporate earnings period since the start of the global pandemic looms ahead. With governments and federal banks everywhere working hard to stem the economic fallout through eviction freezes, insolvency holidays and direct financial stimulus like never seen before, the markets have largely shrugged off the obvious impacts to corporate earnings and now seem to be plotting a course for a new normal. The question now remains, what happens when the stimulus is eased and capitalism reverts back to regular programming? Some might say the road to economic hell is paved with good intentions. And here to discuss this, I'm joined by Nicholas Wells, Head of Investments, Damien Klassen. Hello, Damien. Hi, Tim. And on the line, we also have our Chief Strategist, David Llewellyn-Smith. Hello, David. G'day, Tim. Fantastic. And just a quick reminder that before we get started to subscribe on YouTube and click on the notification bell to be notified of when we go live or have a new webinar to watch or follow us on your preferred podcast platform. And for those listening in live now, feel free to drop in your questions along the way in the chat box below at nucleuswealth.com forward slash webinar. So the agenda for today, we're going to kick off by uh, discussing what a new normal may look like. What does a Oh, and, and uh, earnings recovery look like? Uh, we'll then be rolling across into what valuation should you be paying? And then finally, wrapping it all up as we do uh, most weeks into an investment outlook on how we use these themes in the, uh, the, the steering of the portfolios here at Nucleus Wealth and the MB Fund. So to get us started, I'll hand over to Damien. So Damien, what does a new normal look like? Yeah, look, I wanted to give a little bit of perspective to the, to the whole thing as well. So what, what we're really trying to work out here is, um, you know, we've spoken in the past about there being a, a potential sort of future where, um, you know, capitalism is effectively suspended, um, you end up with a whole bunch of zombie companies, you get um, massive amounts of um, income support for people who aren't working, and you sort of end up with this, um, I guess, a, a scenario where governments are just pumping so much money into the, the whole system and whether they're out whether you've got central banks out buying stocks and, and other factors and you can say, okay, you can actually come up with scenarios that, that justify um, where markets are at today. And so what we wanted to do is sort of explore what what something might that like that might look like and the types of decisions that would need to be made because um, the issues are there's there's a bunch of um, good decisions. Uh, sorry, there's a, there's a bunch of bad decisions in there that, that might look initially like good decisions. Um, and like they they're sort of helping to tide over a short term short term issue, but but actually creating just longer term issues down the track. And so we wanted to sort of uh, you know, explore those. Um, and then we wanted to sort of play that into okay, well, in terms of earnings recovery, what does that mean? Because because there there's there's factors that are going to be good for the economy and good for for workers in particular and worker salaries that aren't going to be good for for economic earnings. And so there's there's a trade off between those two. And then you've got to sort of fit the third bit, which is evaluation, into that. So you've got these, um, yeah, all, all three of those sort of at different ends, where you might have, um, you know, great ex, great uh, outcomes on on the first two, but if if valuations are, are whatever it is, you know, a thousand times earnings, then you're saying, well, that's that's uh, too high than too high, and we and so you shouldn't be buying in. But but um, you know, if you it, 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 there's a push pull between between all three of the the types of factors. So, um, 
So what? So we've broken the, some of the new normals into you know what are what are the things that were sort of going to give us indications that we're we're on the we're on the path to this this new normal. And I'm going to start with the sort of um, in a way the um, the least fundamental side of it, which is which is the market reactions. So this is saying what what can we gauge from what's happening in in the markets? And so so the first one we've started we've talked about is is uh, Q3 earnings. So we're going into or well, we're in the middle of um, uh, second quarter earnings in the US at the moment, and so far they haven't been too bad um, relative to where where expectations are. I mean it's it's sort of hard because um, they they are, they, are, they are certainly very bad uh, based on based on numbers from from last year, but it's more looking at the forecast for 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 the forward forecasts and. Um, we haven't seen another leg down. I guess is the is the big issue um, so far, and, and and it's very very early days in in this. You sort of maybe had twenty thirty percent of companies uh, have reported, probably less actually. Yeah, probably closer to twenty than than thirty. Um, so um, so yeah, so very early. But but this is second quarter, and so I'm actually saying, you know, forget this because I think most people have already. Um, most analysts have already basically said yes. Second quarter is a write-off, um, and then but we should start seeing recoveries, and and we should get better outlook into the into the third quarter and beyond. So so that's um, that, that's one factor. What are we Nick, seeing on guidance, Damo, in this reporting season? Um, well, it's basically this. It's a it's a sort of push pull between your so your, your numbers uh, for two thousand and nineteen. Sorry, for two thousand twenty. Are getting are getting worse. So they're they're, uh, they're we have seen downgrades over the um, over the cycle, but but not very big downgrades. Sort of a you know, net of a maybe one or two percent on on aggregate so far. Um, having said that, you know, two thousand and twenty numbers are, are sort of I think for a lot of people, two thousand twenty is a bit of a write off, um, and it's all it's all about two thousand and twenty one. So two thousand and twenty one numbers um, are already. Uh, close to ten percent below two thousand and nineteen numbers. They're probably more like probably seven or eight percent below two thousand and nineteen numbers, and they've been drifting down. But the issue is um, because uh, the two thousand and twenty one numbers are much higher than the two thousand and twenty numbers. Each day that goes past, the forward numbers look better and better because you sort of say, okay, I've got one one day fewer of this this bad two thousand and twenty. And I'm 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 one day closer to these the, the better numbers from 2021. So, so I guess um, we spent a lot of time looking at whether the 12 month forward earnings numbers, which is sort of like a rolling 12 month period in front of us, whether that's rising or falling. Um, and so that's at the moment that's rising, but it's rising because both um, 2020 is going down and 2021 is going down, but 2021 is still so much higher than than 2020. That are still rising. Does that make sense? Sure. Yes. Mm. I mean, uh, I, it's a pretty fair bet. Twenty twenty one is going to have to start falling away as well, isn't it? It's just that will take time. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of that comes back to this next issue: is um, you know what's happening with the Biden election, um, mainly because there's some tax. Um, do you, actually, Dave, do you want to run through sort of the some of the Biden um, policies, key policies? Uh, sure. Yep. So. Uh, well, prima facie, Biden shapes as a uh, you know an early blow to stock market uh, values, simply because he, the main headwind, I guess, is uh, he's got uh, planning to raise the corporate tax rate 
uh, reverse some of Trump's cuts, uh, I think from 17 to 28. I uh, can't actually remember the numbers off the top of my head, but it's about an 8 or 10% blow to earnings. Uh, and so that's obviously um, a headwind for uh, for the stock market. There's also a number of policies designed to boost wages. Uh, and some of them are, you know, quite sort of heavy handed. Um, way of just hiking the minimum wage, etc., uh, which you know potentially shapes as another blow to earnings if you just do that in a sort of central planning kind of way. Uh, in the short term, um, that's the case. However, longer term, we basically see the Biden policy platform as much more constructive for the U.S. economy and society, uh, as you know will distribute income and profits more evenly over time and so your any any initial blow to earnings is likely to be offset by sort of stronger top line growth better demand uh, over the stretch and so you know Biden Biden is is a bit sort of bifurcated I guess in that sense but uh, you know the initial uh, reaction should be lower stock markets definitely. Well, and certainly lower earnings in the in the, yes. in the, yeah. in the oh, well, yes, lower earnings, uh, yeah, and, that, and that's obviously coming into an environment of very elevated valuations. So, mm. I'm making the the uh, you know drawing the bold conclusion that 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 should end in lower stock prices. Yeah, yeah, and, and what Dave what Dave was talking about there. So, if you're using a, a price to earnings ratio. Not to say there's not issues with you know you just is a this is a pure measure, but it's but it's not a bad one. Is that you're paying uh, roughly 25 times whatever the earnings are, are of um, in the US at the moment versus um, normal of say 15 times or below. And so the issue is if if you lose one unit of, of earnings, then you that's that's multiplied by 25 when you're at a 25 times PE. Whereas if you're only at a 15 times PE, it's only multiplied by 15 is the amount that sort of comes off your the valuation of the stock market. So, so yeah, so it makes a bigger difference in terms of that, if, if it gets reflected. <laughs> well, and, and on that, uh, Damien, the, so um, just roughly, so, if, you know, if, if earnings halve, then all of a sudden you're paying 50 times is the back of the envelope. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're, they're unlikely to, well, they, they, I don't think they're likely to halve from here. Um, yeah. Unless you got, um, unless you saw insolvencies, just get out of control, and and central banks and governments really just sort of let step back and, and let everything let everything go. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, though, uh, when I say when I say halve, I'm talking about forward earnings halving. Um, mm-hmm. You can certainly see actual earnings halving, and then and the issue is with actual earnings is uh, there's a lot of write downs in in that. So what it, what mm-hmm. it, what it means is you're not it's not really an ongoing well it's not an ongoing measure of, of value. It's a we, we spend a fair bit of time you know playing looking at our numbers and working out which are the things we want to include and not include. Um, it, not to say it's it's not a real reflection, but um, when somebody owns an asset worth a billion dollars that's producing you know hundred million dollars a year, and then all of a sudden that that hundred million dollars a year turns into you know five million dollars a year, and they write their asset down. Um, yeah, so they've lost $95 million worth of revenue. They might like write their asset down by 75%, which is like $750 million. Mm. And so, And that'll come off as a, a one-off in, the, in their balance sheet. And it's not a, you know, it's, you got to make sure you're not double counting. You're not giving them the penalty for the lower earnings and the penalty for the write-down as well. So, right. Yep. So, yes. So reported earnings quite possibly will be down 50%, but, um, but forward earnings, we're not expecting to, to fall that far. 
So we've sort of got two two elements of that. So Biden's so in terms of market reactions, you know, Biden's a fair way in front now. I think he's I'm not sure the probabilities. I think it was sort of 60, 65%, I think. Um, yeah, r- roughly that in betting markets, even a bit higher. Yeah. yeah. And we're just saying, well, look, you know, if, if it gets to the stage where, you know, 75, 80%, now you're starting to talk about, um, you know, pretty high probabilities. Um, it stats, that's starting to sound like Clinton in 2016, though. <laughs> well, yeah, Clinton was, I, can't remember, I feel as if she was sort of 70%-ish, was she? 60 to 70%? Yeah. 70%, right. Which is still, yeah. I could bet a two in three. And then yeah. sort of go, well, you know, one in three chance does come up relatively often. So, you know, I think once you get to, uh, I think Biden would be similar levels now to, to Clinton. But, um, and so I think that's where certainly a lot of, um, I think markets and, and a lot of participants sort of say, oh, well, you can't trust, you can't trust these things because they got it wrong last time. Mm. And um, slightly different circumstances though. Well, yeah, there's, certain, there's an element of, there's a slight element of truth to that. I mean, they're, they're not, they're, they're not certain. But um, it'd be foolish to say that the, the people who are doing these have learned nothing from last time and haven't changed their models and tried to update them for the things they got wrong last time. Yeah, it's fair. So, um, you know, a certain stage, um, yeah, I, th- I think there's, I think there is, a f- there's, there's probably a, a lot less faith put in them, um, you know, based on the uh, a sample size of one, whereas which is the last election. Whereas there, there's been, there's been obviously been a lot of elections where where opinion polling and everything like that's been pretty good. Or at least it, yep. you know, it's it's the error range. I think that's that's the part where I think people got too, um, you know, they, they went, oh, it's a two in three chance. That's mean, that means it's a shoe in that that Clinton that Clinton's going to win. And you went, well, okay, well, it was a one in three chance she she didn't win. So you, know, you can't, um, you know, if if it was a ninety nine percent chance she was going to win, and then then she didn't win, that's that's obviously a much bigger shock. So so yeah, so yeah. so watching what markets are doing as as Biden becomes more likely is is um is one part uh you know come the election if if you see that markets don't fall um you know is a, is a pretty again a pretty decent sign that, that we're into this there's there's some new normal going on and and uh we need to throw our, all the old rules out the window um the other thing is we start we are starting to see second waves and third waves in in a lot of countries um around the world and i guess the issue is if you if come the northern autumn um so where what say uh, you know a month and a half away from that? Let's call it three months, really, until you make the middle of autumn. If you do start to see um, you know that that next wave starting to to shoot through um, all the northern hemisphere countries, is um, uh, you know that's one of those signs that if markets just ignore that, as they've ignored the you know, they've ignored the uh, the sort of this second wave or the the first wave so far, then then that's another sign, I guess, that there's there's some new normal that's that's going on. So, so then, then let's, so that's sort of the some of the signs we're looking for, and then let's sort of I wanted to dig into the next slide, sort of saying, well, what what does it mean for um, what what are the actual policies, what are the fundamentals behind it that are going to drive those sort of market reactions, um, as opposed to what's the output? Okay. So, the first set is the monetary policy stuff. Um, now we've got. There, the first one is just the, the whatever it takes from central banks, and that's that's been done already. We've we've had this short term, um, you know, they've come out and said that whatever whatever needs to be done will be done. Um, now it's a question of where to from here. So, are we headed for negative interest rates? Um, quite possibly. There's a couple of countries in Europe, in particular, that are, that are thinking about it. Uh, the Australian uh, central banks ruled it out pretty much. 
the US have uh, pretty much ruled it out as well. Not sure, Dave, if you've got some other thoughts on negative interest rates for you. Oh, well, they've, they've all, uh, you're right, the Fed and the RBA both ruled it out, but uh, Fed fund futures are still pricing it. And, uh, you know, I, if, if, if markets do uh, choke on these these many headwinds, then, you know, if the process they've begun of suspending capitalism uh, is to advance, then these are the next sort of obvious steps to take. And mm. you know, I, they wouldn't take them without, you know, some kind of market prompting that is a pretty sizable shock, something material enough for them for, to think that it jeopardises whatever kind of recovery we've got going. Uh, and so, you know, I've, even though they're denying these things at the moment, uh, they are the next kind of cabs off the rank, if you like. Mm. And then um, you've got the uh, – so negative interest rates first. Central banks getting out and buying equities is sort of the next. That's probably your, uh, you know, another real sign for that, um, that we're starting to get to this to, – to, to something completely different. Now that's all, We've already seen that in, in Japan. But um, – you know, to, it's one thing as well that you know the Japanese buy, government's buying equities, and and they the, the the levels they're buying equities at have been sort of on a price to earnings basis, you know, between sort of twelve and fifteen times um, is where the central bank's been been waiting in buying equities. So what uh, you know what what we'd be saying here is we'd be saying you know do do we do we set central banks out to buy equities at, at basically record valuation levels? Um, which I think is going to, to me, is um, uh, you know, a it's different. It's a very different to say, okay, we're sitting in, a, in we're sitting in a, in a stage of low growth and earnings aren't well, and, and the market's not really reflecting much, um, uh, much in the stock market, and so we need to get in there and buy equities, and that that'll help prompt companies to go out and spend and and expand. Whereas if companies are already on 25 times earnings or 30 times earnings and, and, you know, putting them on, you know, if they're already basically not quite double their, their long-term average in terms of, you know, make it even, even greater is hard to see what the, what the argument from central banks, how that's going to stimulate um, you know, more growth in the economy. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, so that's, so I guess to me, that's a, well, it, has, it hasn't stopped them so far. I mean, you can make that argument about a number of policies. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You know, I mean, they they just if they reach that point of desperation, they'll they'll uh, make something up about uh, wealth effects, etc., and just do it. Mm. And so, um, yeah, so but so, but that that is a you know, said it's a, a very much a sign that um, we're not in Kansas anymore. Uh, and then the the final one there, the the outright money modern monetary policy. So um, basically. Printing money and, and giving it to the governments, or printing money and giving it directly to consumers, um, is sort of that that last step along the way. Um, I think if, if that's not creating inflation, then then you know there's uh, bigger structural issues. I think that's that's sort of the the last the last round of it, so to speak. Um, Just on that, Damien, the um, you had the central banks buying equities. We've, we've already seen central banks buying debt, haven't we? Yes, so and, and junk debt in the debt market. Well, yeah, actually, junk debt. Uh, actually, have they actually bought it? They've said they're going to buy it, and then all okay. the and all the spreads came in. I don't know if they actually. They did buy. They did buy some. Bought a little, I think. Yeah, yeah. not much. They didn't need to buy much. 
Yeah, right. They basically talked their way into that. So, so you know, that's that's still there as well. Um, we've, we've put some of that in the sort of in the fiscal policy on the next slide, because there's a little bit of that um, you know, government government policy led. But but yeah, there is a there is an element of um, well, we've already reached central banks buying corporate equity corporate bonds. So hmm. probably should have thrown that on on that slide as well as, as a crossed out as a crossed out version. So let's go fiscal policy. So this is now saying, um, okay, what are governments gonna gonna do to try and um, create a new normal for us? So the first ones, um, well, the, the, there was a short term whatever it takes from governments where they basically um, pumped a lot of money into economies, whether it's through um, increased you know, job seeker and job keeper. And, and this is a global phenomenon. It's not just Australia um, and uh, you know, support for, for businesses. Uh, the first one is rules around insolvencies. That's the one for me that's um, you know the real biggest unknown and and the sign that we could be trying to create zombie companies. I guess the issue for insolvencies, as, as we spoke a lot about last week, was that if you've got these insolvencies sitting around in the economy and, and there's people not paying their bills, um, that means there's other people not getting money from it, and then they start not being able to pay their bills, and and the whole thing can 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 snowball very quickly. It's a bit like you know a virus sort of sitting un untested in the in the economy in the economy, and so you do need to start opening up and letting companies uh, become insolvent and, and liquidate, um, especially small and medium businesses. So uh, there's a whole um, a whole realm around that that insolvencies and what's happening in within that within that area that is um, that that could just be turned into okay we're just going to take the take the rules and and uh, not kick people out of houses for not paying their rent, and 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 not let people, um, or you know, make make the the terms much longer for for people to to to, to make companies insolvent, um, and make those changes. The changes that we've seen recently sort of make those more permanent, or, or, or run for another six months or another year. Um, so that's that's debt forbearance and stuff as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, then you got these sort of forever. Unemployment benefits and universal basic income and 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 things like that. So so we've seen that in Australia um, extended for another six months. Uh, the job keeper and and seeker. Hmm. Uh, it's an it's a sort of it's an interesting question with these ones where you know there certainly there are benefits obviously to keeping people paid and 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 making sure people don't starve and, and all those types of things, but. There's also a the other side is if you end up with an economy where nobody's working and but lots of people still have money, then um, you end up with infl bad inflation, which is the, the inflation mm -hmm. where um, you just you're just not producing enough goods and um, and you're uh, and you're artificially pumping the money into the economy. So so that's that's where your inflation can or you can get stagflation and and you can get uh, things getting away from versus what we'd call sort of more good inflation, which is uh, driven by wage growth and demand and, and lots of people out there earning money and spending money and, and um, you know, lower levels of inequality and, and sort of spreads the money out and increases your, your demand. So, um, so yes, yeah, so Australia has taken a step down that path. Um, you know, there's questions, marks in, in uh, lots of places around the world about about how long they they extend these for and and what they do with them. Um, uh, yeah, so it's a you know, that's one of those one of those markers towards um, you know may, maybe we just end up with a universal basic income, which is um, yeah, where governments just give everyone hilarious money. outcome for uh, for JobKeeper. 
Yeah, that's right. Put in by a Liberal government ends up being a UBI. <laughs> hilarious. I mean, we're a long way from those things, though. I mean, even though it's been expended six months, some of the conditions on the new JobKeeper are quite nasty. It's definitely going to taper. Uh, so, you know, I mean, uh, if we have another viral outbreak in Sydney and a shutdown there, then it's those kind of events that are going to kick it kick it forward rather than I think a policy decision uh, like I can't see Australia ended up ending up with a UBI of any kind and other than, the, than a you know hashed together version in crisis uh, until it happens somewhere else maybe then it's plausible mm. um, but the forever is probably dependent on a forever virus as well yes uh, but, but certainly if we get there it would be a uh, a massive step yeah. toward, toward suspended <laughs> suspended capitalism. capitalism. Mm. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and, it's, and it's this whole point, isn't it, is about saying, well, you know, it was one thing to say, okay, let's let's give people some payments to keep them in contact with their employers because this is, might be a three-month thing and let's make it six months just in case. It goes on for a bit longer than what we think. And now we're like, well, why don't we turn it into 12 months? <laughs> and then you're like, so, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it obviously loses its reason for being at some point in the tourism sector, for instance. Yes. Exactly. You're not going to open your borders until 2024. Well, why are you keeping people in touch with their employers <laughs> that won't, won't even exist? Yes. So certainly, yeah. certainly could become uh, a bit absurd. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So, so yeah, lots of issues around that. Um, you know, tax cuts versus stimulus. So, that, so I guess there's a few things in these next couple of points. I just wanted to talk through some of the, what 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 are good policies that we, that we want to see from from um, governments globally, and, and and will be good for stock markets versus and earnings um, versus policies that, that won't be. And so, uh, tax cuts, um, bring forward tax cuts. We don't think is a very good policy, uh, especially on especially the rich um, tax cuts for the rich, because uh, Study after study and economy after economy have shown that you cut you, ta- you cut your taxes on your rich, um, they don't actually get out and spend much of the money, uh, and so there's not a lot of benefit. You, you take a big hit to you to to what little remaining revenue you have, um, and for very for very little benefit. Whereas actually getting out and spending money on stimulus, uh, you know, will will actually create um, create more jobs, create more demand, you know, spread the money around for people actually doing things. And so, but when you're doing that, there's a, there's a really important. If you did uh, if you did low income tax cuts, it would be a good idea. Yes. The yes. high marginal propensity to spend that would be a good stimulus. Yeah, yeah. The, the issue not, not to donate to your political party though. That's probably the, the rub, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the issue is Australia already has at the, at the low end. Um, you know, we've already got. Up to twenty something grand, we we're not paying any tax at all. So, you know, there's a there's you can, you can certainly get some in Australia, but I guess they're going to be they're, they're going to be relatively limited in terms of what you can see. Yeah. Um, the there's a big issue. This what are they doing? What are, what are governments doing in terms of where are they targeting? Because we see governments in and I'm going to use uh I'm going to use China and Germany as as two just to sort of you know uh, allay any fears of 
of, of, of bias in terms of towards China. But I think there's uh, what you're seeing very much in, in uh, China and, and we could easily see in, in uh, Germany as well is, is targeted um, government stimulus that tries to generate more supply and actually gets back to, you know, getting workers and, and, and um, work going in factories and getting these things, um, you know, infrastructure spends and, and, and all those types of factors that, that are sort of really um, targeted around supply. And the issue with that is if you've got um, a, a, a factory in Germany or a factory in um, uh, China pumping out more, more goods uh, and you haven't got demand in, in China or Germany for those goods, then, then these companies have to export them. And that means that, that you know, that's, that's a good that, you know, let's say they've made a washing machine, that's a washing machine that doesn't get made in the US. And so there's a worker that's not going to work in the US now because it's being exported from, from China or from, from Germany. And so um, there's, there's this real, um, we've seen a lot of backlash against China and a lot of issues with, with, with trade and, and things like that coming up. Um, our take is you're going to see more of that because you are seeing uh, some governments target supply and what they're basically doing is stealing the demand from, everyone's got, everyone's got this uh, shortage of demand. And so if, if the US say is out there trying to stimulate more demand, and um, in order to, to get more jobs and, and spread it around, but China's out there trying to export more and Germany's out there trying to export it much more because they've stimulated supply, then they're basically stealing the demand from, China, from, from the US. Mm, and so the US sense. is pumping money into its economy that's then just going straight overseas. And that's stealing, why- Stealing the stimulus. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. right. <laughs> just usurping your stimulus. <laughs> exactly. And that's why you're going to see more and more of this um, stuff on trade and more, more calling out China for, for cheating and, and spying and, and all these other factors because, um, you know, there are real economic um, consequences of it and, and even more so because the Chinese economy is so much bigger than it used to be. You know, mm. it, even in the financial crisis, um, you know, China, when China was doing similar types of things, it was, it was still a much smaller economy than what it is now. And so, um, so yeah, so it's a uh, – if you see globally – governments and everyone targeting demand, the measures that are going to get demand going, then, then that's a good thing. And we can see that's positive for, for stock markets. If it turns into a, this real supply thing, then then quite possibly it's going to be, you know, that, that's where you start to see tariff barriers start to go up and and you know, return to the sort of 1930s of, of um, you know, escalating tariffs around the world. Uh, Dave, have you got anything else on demand supply? No, no. no, that sums it up nicely. Yep. Um, the other one then is targeting debt and equity. So, so um, turning around to first home buyers and maybe even you, you might extend it to, to 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 other people in Australia, for example, and say, um, okay, any everyone can lend up to ninety five percent on the, and, and go out and buy a new home. Um, those types of uh, I, it might seem like uh, good if you you actually own a house and you see your, your house price go up. But as a, a policy and as a as a way of getting out of this, you're basically just um, loading up people who have already got income constrained with more debt, um, which isn't solving any problems and it's going to give you a, a lower growth going forward. And it's similar to, um, you know, we saw the Australian government try and um, try and push forty billion dollars into small and medium businesses, and, and banks lent one and one enough one point five, so it's sort of less than, you know. Less than five percent of what they thought they, they were going to push out, they, they they pushed out, and they've come back with another thing, basically saying, "Well, maybe we'll lend we'll lend it for longer and and tighten up some of the criteria." But but the issue is that you know a company companies that are really struggling to get demand out there for their products, it's 
pretty hard for those guys to turn around and say, okay, my you know my demand's twenty percent down on what it was last year. Um, how would I like a, a great whopping loan to go with that? Hmm. Um, and and now I'll have to yeah you know, now I've got to worry about defaulting on my loan as well as my my um, my reduced demand. And so um, yeah, so so I think there's certainly an issue in terms of the uh, watching where it's going and, and seeing whether it's it's again these are you trying to trying to help your your demand or are you going to try and just load up people with uh, with more debt and, and hope that solves the problem. Um, the last three are, are very similar, but this is so. Um, if you'd had a if you had a big banking crisis and you'd actually you'd you'd, you'd let this play out, so um, you let the insolvencies happen and you start seeing the banks um, are running out of capital. You've basically got to go through. Um, uh, there's a three-tiered step, I guess, to, to to how most countries deal with with banking issues and and crises in in, in lending. Is is first you've got to recapitalise your banks, whether that's the government steps in and and, and actually participates as well, or whether you get um, you manage to get them uh, with with equity holders putting more money in. So, um, and we've we've seen a little bit in Australia where um, and globally where they've said, okay, we're not you're not paying dividends um, or or you, or in, in Australia, you need to be, I guess, they're, they're, I can't remember their exact words about dividends, but they've, they've actually started to wind that back now in Australia. So, so um, I'm assuming there's something there's something going on there, there in ter- anyway in terms of needing new capital. The, the next step, though, is you start you go to this good bank, bad bank, where basically you find banks and you, you go, okay, this bank's um, got far too much bad debts. It's not going to be able to operate and it's not going to be able to lend money. So let's take all the bad debts off that bank and put them all into a bad bank. And then the good bank can get can actually get it back out and start lending money as usual, um, mm. and you see that that's that's a pretty common way of getting around um, banking crises. Uh, and then the final one is the bank nationalisation, where the government just steps in and and it's similar to similar in a way, but they're basically the problem is banks aren't lending money because they're still trying to you know foreclose and and trying to get all the, the, the rid of their bad debts, and so they don't want to get out and lend new money. Um, is it by nationalising the bank and putting the government in charge? Then you can say they can actually force it and say, okay, yes, we will go out and lend lend money to people. Um, and so, the issue on that one is, um, you know, whether some of this is preemptive or not. So, if you start seeing preemptive amounts on these, then um, so you basically you don't let companies fall over. You, before companies even have a chance to fall over, you start creating bad banks or you start nationalising banks and and forcing the or, or quasi nationalising and forcing them to get out and lend money to the to um, to, to to anyone who wants it. Um, you know that's again it was one more sign that we're in this this new normal and and um, yeah things are different. Uh, Dave, have you got any comments around the banks? Dave's left the building. Lost, sorry. Lost, no, no, yep, I, there he is. I had my uh, mute on. Sorry, I'm trying to contain my kids. Um, no, that's quite right. I mean, the, the key phrase is preemptive. If you if you saw it, um, you know, a bad bank appear in Australia to uh, absorb the you know bad SME and and housing loans that are coming down the pipeline, then you you would. Uh, uh, you know, take that as a sign that um, the good banks are about to launch into a major credit expansion. So, mm. 
just on that, so um, you know, these be a bad bank example. That is that just as you mentioned there before, Damien, just be nationalisation where you know Australia's bank gets spun up, absorbs all this bad debt, effectively gets written off. <laughs> Yeah, close back down again. Is that sort of yep. the, the so, path so, you'd expect? Yeah, so um, China did it um, in the early 2000s where they had a housing crisis, uh, you know, and so banks are all starting to fall over and, and, yeah, and, and stop lending because they just couldn't, they didn't have the capital. And so they basically just said, yep, everyone throw all your bad loans over here. And then now you can get, now you're, now you're just a normal bank with normal. You know, with normal ratios, you can get out in there yep. and do your stuff, and then they'll just sit there and manage those those bad debts and sell the sell the properties and or or, or manage the people out and 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 yeah, take that whole part off off the off the uh, the ordinary bank's hands. So we can even do some cram downs, and I mean, you you can even use it for a bit of debt jubilee. That's what I was thinking. So yeah, it's, it's very bullish, basically. Right. Yeah, and and I mean, my my initial question, and, and well, and we, I don't really know the answer to it, but it, but maybe that's partly what this extra, you know, the, the forty billion dollars that that they wanted to lend, and they only lent one point five. Maybe this next round, you know, this is where it's sort of gradually going. Is sort of they're already saying they're going to take half. You know, the government's going to guarantee half of it. Maybe it starts turning into a yeah, starts shoving your. Uh, you know, if, if, they, if they don't get a good ticket take up on this round, and I don't think they will. Um, Let's you know, start shoving more bad debts into that, and they've already sort of written it off as a as an expense. Yeah. I've got I've got someone who's just posted in that uh, Westpac's currently Australia's bad bank and is ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing that for a while now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. take that as gospel, but anyway, thank you for that. Yeah, but yeah, well, you know, it's about maybe it's an it's it's a it's a nationalisation. You know, that some of these you might you might nationalise one of the smaller banks and. Uh, and then throw get everyone else get all the other banks to throw their bad loans in. You know, there's lots of different ways you can do it if you if you if you if you don't really care about capitalism that much and and consequences and and you just you just want the economy to get back to to you just want the short term a short term improvement in the economy. You know, mm. so you can just get through the next election. That's your um, yep. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, having said that, those 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 ones actually, I actually think good bank, bad banks, they, they are they are good to do. Um, but they're good to do after you've had a crisis and you've got rid of the dead wood. It's sort of like basically going, you've got all this, you know, you've got all this kindling all built up, and you're you're worried mm-hmm. about it being a bushfire, and you're like, okay, let's just dampen everything down and whatever, and stack more. Let's stack a whole bunch of green branches on top of that, and and yeah. then you're like, yeah, okay, that was that was great for you know for for a week while the green branches were still green, and so nothing burned, and then they've turned brown themselves, and now I've just got mm-hmm. a bigger pile of kindling. So when it actually does happen, um, yeah. Step in the path of zombie zombification, as well. I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah, and so and so the zombification stuff. I mean, what we're really talking about there is is companies that can't afford to pay their debts, um, but um, uh, aren't aren't loss making. So they're sort of they're, they're making enough to um, they're making they're making a positive profit before it, before they pay their interest, but but not enough to actually pay the interest. Um, and so what you do there is is um, you just keep these companies alive and pretend they're pretend they're all right. You basically just let them they earn their profit and all that profit just goes to the debt holders and then um, and the shareholders get nothing and then they, you just leave them there for for years and years and years until finally you know hopefully inflation or something like that will will gradually grow it to a big enough that they can finally actually pay start paying down some of the debt. And we saw that very much in um, in uh, Japan was sort of their policy. 
and um, you know, arguably some places in Europe are, are sort of similar. But um, whereas the US has typically been quite good at saying, "Oh well, if, if companies are if companies are insolvent, then insolvent," you know, get rid of that one and, and let's start a new one because that's um, you tend to get much better growth and much more dynamic economies when you do that because it's otherwise you're just keeping you know old carrying dead wood. Yeah, you're keeping old bad ideas around. Um, you know, with the view that I'll oh, yeah, but I don't want to, I don't want the you know, I don't want to have the unemployment. Whereas in mm. in a lot of cases, you're actually far better than saying no, 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 close that close that company down and find the people actually new jobs in in something that's actually going to um, you know keep working and, and add to the economy going forward. Very good. Uh, jump across to disease. Disease, yeah. So so I guess there's there's a couple of things um, we look upon cures and and, and vaccines. Um, to me, a cure is is going to be more helpful than a, sorry, better in the short term and um, for for economies. Uh, if you want to get economies back and running, so vaccines, you need quite a long time to to to, to make sure they work. Um, and and especially if you're going to be giving it to everyone in the population, um, you know, there's lots of cases of of vaccines that have been um, started going out and then actually been withdrawn. Um, I think actually the swine flu relatively recently in the last sort of 10 years or so had something where it gave a lot of um i think they they started doing like about six million vaccines or something like that before they they realized it was causing narcolepsy in people and and um and so they had to to to, to, to bend the whole lot um i think in the I'm just trying to hopefully I get the decade right here i think it was the 70s um uh president ford in the u.s tried to rush out a um a vaccine and, and had lots of problems and they ended up having to, to pull the whole thing. Um, you know, vaccines are, are are difficult in that you've got to give them to healthy people and it, they, and you've got to give to everyone right. and they can cause yeah. problems. Whereas cures, um, you're only doing the cures on the people who are already sick. Mm. And um, uh, yeah. And so, you know, while, while there's lots of hope about vaccines and there's lots of, um, you know, interesting studies and interesting um, trials that are out there, uh, you know, it's it's not a um, it's not a short term. Yes, we'll you know tomorrow they could come up with a vaccine and then next thing everyone will have it and, and we can all go back to it to, to life. It's you know you're talking I don't know six to twelve months at least of your your testing. You probably you could probably accelerate it if you had a good candidate and have it tested in six months and then but then you've got to produce it and get it out to everyone as well. So um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a while for that in front. You got to tackle your uh, anti-vaxxer movement as well. Yes, yes, and and some of those, you know, some of those came from these these stuff ups in the in the vaccines have, have happened. Yeah. So, and, and the, yeah, so the anti-vaxxer movement's obviously a lot bigger than it used to be. Um, you don't want to give them any more ammunition. Yeah? You stuff up this one um, by by rushing it out and giving it to everyone, and next thing you know, you know, anti-vaxxers are have, have just got another. Uh, you know, ten percent of the population have flipped and said, "Okay, vaccines are, are no good." So, yeah. Um, so then, so yeah. So, so we're keeping an keeping an eye, obviously, on both those. But um, but yeah, looking more at um, at cures as being a, is is a, is a more positive short term um, economic effect, um, and and especially because that that's coming back to that whole point about the longer people have got. Are making these lower profits, and 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 um, you're seeing just these big the debt build up 
because because you have to. So it's debt build up to 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 fill the hole in from the because they're not making enough money as opposed to debt build up for expansion. Um, you know the worst things are going to be by the time you you get out of this. Uh, and then there's this forever. You know maybe this is just a new normal, and you need to take into account that that maybe there won't be a vaccine, and um, and you know you can probably the probably the the treatments will obviously improve over time. Um, assuming that the you, you don't get mutations that, that that become way more um toxic i guess uh way more, way more um kill a lot more people but the idea behind um you know maybe this is just you need to, this is just the way we're going to need to be and that we just need to start factoring that into the numbers of saying well maybe um there's a lot of things that we used to do that, that won't get done it before people will create new things and new ways to spend the money i'm, I'm sure so so you will get transformation, but but some of the old industries where um, people are sort of hanging on, waiting for it to come back, um, you might find they 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 just never reach um, the levels they used to be. Mm. The interesting thing with the vaccines as well is even if even if it comes out, it's the you know you've got to, it's got to be a global as you say a global um, uh, you know phenomenon or you know glo- globally used. And you sort of think even like the polio vaccine which has sort of been out since the 50s is you know there's still polio in the world today <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's yeah. been it worked very hard on trying to eradicate it but it's um you know it's sort of one of those things you got to get it to every every nook and cranny of the, of the globe so yeah anyway. and so, and that's and that's you know i still find that's the interesting one for for australia it will be an interesting thing if 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 we do manage to lock it down again in uh sydney and melbourne and, and get get rid of the cases and, and you go back to you know very very low transmission rates is that, um, but but say Europe and, and the US don't, and, and eventually they go, oh, well, we might as well just open our borders and, and start sending people back and forth because you've got it, we've got it, you know. So um, is whether you know what what do you what do you see like then? Does does Australia just decide it's going to, and, and just decide they're going to stay out of the world travel market? Or do they... absolutely, yeah, it's crazy. The haves and the have-nots. You just you know. <laughs> Yeah. Almost like two different passports required. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, and 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 as you said, there's that whole part about going. Okay, you might get a vaccine that's, or you might get treatments that are that are done. And so the US is, so some of the developed markets, you know, start to start to stabilize in terms of that front. But if you've got all these undeveloped markets, then, um, yeah, you, you know, you've still got to work. work you know, you're not going to let travelers from say India or. Indonesia or something like that, but you will allow people from from uh, from richer countries. And then, what happens if somebody from Indonesia goes to one of those other countries and then comes here? And yeah, yeah. oh, it's huge. A, um, it's a nightmare. And, of, and, yeah. yeah, man, the mandatory um, sort of quarantine periods and and all the rest of it. You know, like that's you can, I don't know. You just can't see that not happening. You know, for years. Mm. Um, I should. Anyway. It's not in, entirely on topic, but. I mean, these outcomes are catastrophic for Australia's immigration-led model. Mm. So, uh, I mean, I know we're not particularly on that topic. We're looking at uh, the new normal, but just something to bear in mind <clears throat> in terms of uh, Australia as an investment option. You know, we're, we really are betting very strongly on a vaccine at the moment by keeping the virus out and uh, shutting our borders. But if it turns out that that's not a long-term solution then we face an extraordinary kind of choice mm. yeah change change in australian business model yeah. yeah okay 
so that's that's sort of the that's one side, which is okay. Here's a whole bunch of things that can tell us we're headed for this new normal, and and um, just the, the world's not going to be anywhere near what it, what it used to be yeah, from a from a policy perspective. And then you say, what does that actually mean for earnings? So I've got a chart here, and for anyone listening in, it's a um, I've used the the S and P five hundred mainly because that's a it's a it's a it's really I don't think of the S P five hundred so much as being a US uh, market index, although it is listed in the US, it's more of a global. Most of the companies in here are global companies, so you're you're really talking about some sort of you know a decent spread of the of of global companies and and what their earnings doing, and so it's looking at the forward earnings forecasts, and they've fallen um, about twenty five percent down from from where they were, uh, and. But you've seen that you've seen that, and that was what I was talking about. This is what I was, I guess, I was describing a little bit earlier. Was you, you, there's this little hook on the end of it where you've seen that the the forward earnings have lifted up. They, they are they have started rising again, but they're not rising because 2020 and 2021 numbers are being upgraded. It's just rising because um, there's a there's a uh, time is traveling and we're getting closer to 2021, and so. Uh, yeah, so working out where those earnings are going to be um, is is obviously difficult. Companies don't really know, um, and they're not giving much guidance. But uh, you know, the best best we have at the moment is earnings are down twenty something percent, um, and the question is how far they can bounce back. And so we t- we're trying to benchmark a lot of what we're doing, um, not to saying how far will the fall be and how far will the bounce back be, because the numbers get really big and it's you know. A, whether it's a twenty five percent fall and a and a and a twenty five percent rebound, or if it's a thirty five percent fall and a thirty percent rebound, and those factors get you know it's quite difficult to to um to to put any context behind that. Whereas if we sort of benchmark and say, okay, we the U.S. market in two thousand and eighteen, two thousand nineteen, sort of reached this forward earnings level of of um well on, on this graph it's sort of one hundred and seventy five. Um, is that how long will it take us to get back to that one hundred and seventy five? And what are the things stopping us? And the things stopping us are um, uh, demand destruction, increased non-productive debt. Um, there's the, uh, the the possible tax rises that are coming through for companies. Uh, there's a, the, the lack of demand. So it is relatively difficult to see sort of a short-term path back to those numbers. Um, <clears throat> and then, so, so, so we're sort of trying to track that part quite closely, especially in the companies that we're following. Um, and then that flows through to the next chart, which is the valuation side. And I've got here a ten-year share price chart, ten-year uh, price to earnings chart. And again, you know, this isn't the only factor we look at. There's lots of other ones that are, that are similar. Um, but but price to earnings is is um, sort of giving pretty much the same message we're seeing elsewhere in in other valuation stats. Is that the US is on this massive sort of twenty-five times earnings. 25 times next year's, whereas it usually trades long-term average is more like 15. Um, the last five or six years have been somewhere between 16 and 18. So, so you, you're miles above um, you know, traditional um, metrics, but but we know those earnings are um, are, are much lower than than typically we've seen. And so, I've got a red line on that chart saying, okay, well, what happens if um, Earnings hadn't fallen, and what happens if earnings were, were just at the not the 2019 level? And so you can see there that you know that last line where we end up is is basically at 
at all-time highs. Oh, sorry, at 10-year highs as well. Even if um, where it's sort of saying it's it's 19 times, which is basically similar levels to, you saw to just before the Trump tax cuts um, kicked in. Um, it, it's it's a it's a level you, you'd associate with with a a good growth outlook and and um, and not sort of facing you know uh, unemployment rates higher than we've seen you know, any time since the Great Recession. Um, well, it's an it's an end of cycle boom. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Which is what what you had uh, as the Trump tax cuts were kicking in. Yeah, or or actually, you could you could say it's a beginning of cycle as well. Oh yes, true. Yeah, yes. but but that would be but that's saying so. So basically, what we're saying there is, um, if earnings were thirty percent higher than what they are today, then and and we thought they were going to grow at a boom rate from there, then you could justify current valuations. So um, and so yeah, I think there's two there's two pretty big ifs in that. I think the growth rates are going to growth rates once we settle where we are will be very good. But um, the issue is, you know, earnings are starting from thirty percent lower than what they were, so and bigger debt boom burdens and all those types of factors. So, so I guess what I'm trying to get to is there's these three factors we've now got to try and put together and say, so if we've got a if we've got a complete new normal on one side, and we've got earnings recovery, then then maybe we can justify higher valuations, um, and then but but if you don't get enough of the first one or, or, and the second one's not working, then then valuations need to be lower, and it's it's about trying to the push pull of trying to look at different countries and 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 what they're doing and how they're getting around it and and whether it's demand versus supply and whether it's tax cuts or or if it's stimulus, um, you know that's that's the framework we're trying to look at and trying to use in terms of coming up with with which countries do we want to invest in, which equity markets do we want to invest in versus versus bond markets. Dave, very good. Don't know if you've got anything else you want to add to that. Just quickly before Dave jumps in, I'll just uh, let everybody know we'll, we'll um, take some questions as well. So uh, feel free to head over to nucleuswealth.com forward slash webinar if you'd like. Um, and we can uh, work through some questions in, in a couple of moments. Over to you, Dave. Uh, yeah, well, as Damo says, we're kind of trying to work this into a, a, a kind of an allocation model that gives us a way, a process whereby we can judge, you know, whether or not we are undergoing this shift from capitalism into something uh, more centrally planned that changes the dynamics for asset prices. Uh, <clears throat> and so we'll work through that model uh, in future in terms of how we uh, balance our various assets uh, rather than just kind of do it on, on whether we feel like it's good or bad or, or indifferent. Uh, we're going to kind of plug this all into a, uh, you know, kind of quanti-like model that gives us a, a sense, a stronger sense of where we are uh, in terms of the inputs that will, you know, deliver uh, price movements mm. in the future. So, yeah, and, and actually that's, that's a good point, David, is that, that um, you know, we've already said, I think we've spoken on, on this podcast a few times about it, about, you know, we, we run these quant models that um, – you know, run on some, some relatively longer term factors. We use those to try and tell us, we, we let the models tell us what to do and then we come up, try and come up with the reasons why the models are wrong and, and, and why they're wrong, you know, because quant models can't cover it for everything. Um, and, and what we found, you know, over the last few months was we made some pretty uh, decent changes, pretty big changes to, um, to what we're looking at in the initial stages to forward earnings because we just had no faith anymore in the in um, you know there were so many companies pulling earnings and pulling guidance that 
um, you know, for a month or so there, we just basically almost switched that off in terms of saying, yes, we've got it there and we can see what's happening, but um, we just take it with this huge grain of salt is that it, it's not that important. That's that's now come back for, for a lot of sectors and we've sort of been gradually adding, you know, putting more weight on, on what we're getting from there. But um, the issue for broader markets is saying um, you need to, you need to, we need to work out are we going through these massive changes and do we need to change the models we've been using in the past to, to look at it? And I think the answer is quite possibly yes, but um, you, know, you don't want to, you don't want to sort of all of a sudden say, yeah, markets have run ahead. We need to, we need to jump in and chase it and build a new model to justify it. But it is, it is more about saying, um, you know, we need a, a, a framework to see whether we should be changing regimes and then, um, you know, appropriate valuation methods and, and, and other factors to between bonds if we are going to change those regimes. And I think our, our base case is still that is still that we won't. Um, but but you know we need to reflect that um, you know the more the more governments do you know suspend capitalism, then the more we need to uh, reflect that in 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 the investments that we're doing. Mm. Okay, very good. Uh, we'll jump across to a couple of questions here. Um, so, hi, gents. Uh, noting your broadening support for the AUD, what is the strategy for managing USD holdings in the funds? Um, and do you intend to sell down a uh, yeah, position? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna hold that one off for next week. We'll, um, okay. We're working on a few things for those. And so, yeah, we've. Yep. Yeah, we'll hold that Gotta one off. Got to give the game next. away. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that's all right. Um, and uh, just one other one here. So, uh, too early to fix rates. So, this is um, residential mortgage rates. Um, Read, uh, posted, read and posted an article on Twitter that many have are fixing their rate. Uh, and that actually coincides with a, a call that I've had with a um, potential investor this week who posed a similar question, um, was offered 2.09% fixed for five years. Um, thoughts on thoughts on that one, gentlemen, without it sort of straying into advice? Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, I'd like to know who offered it to him because uh, <laughs> I'll give him a call. Oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I very good for for what it's worth. I've fixed mine. Mm. Well, uh, the, and... the bank's margins are already getting squashed. There's not a lot more than they can do. Mm. Uh, there's not a lot more that the that the RBA can do to to help them lower mortgage rates. You know, maybe a little bit more, twenty basis points or something, if they really go to town on the long end of the bond curve and stuff. Uh, and so we're pretty close to, uh, you know, the pushing on the string and as low as rates are going to get. So yeah, uh, I, I certainly don't see uh, inflation, you know, being a problem probably unless we get, you know, some of these, uh, you know, more perverse outcomes from um, the various government interventions on the virus. But the base case is that uh, Australia's in for a massive deflation, I think. So uh, uh, I don't think that there's any, imminent chance of mortgage rates going up, but you know, the rate the rates being offered right now and the terms are, are uh, very good. So yeah, I fixed it. Mm, yeah. Well and, and um uh, you know, David just wrote something earlier on the week talking about um putting um the RBA on JobKeeper because they uh, they came out the other day and basically said that they'd what do you what do you call it, David? Putting the queue back in the rack. They basically said our job's done. There's all these other things you could do with negative interest rates and one monetary theory and all these other things, but but we're not we don't think you should. So they're basically yeah. saying job's done. They're, they're, they're uh, so I mean that's that where you would where you would be um, 
where you would be regretting fixing your rate is is if um, all of a sudden the central bank becomes um, ultra aggressive and gets out and goes for negative interest rates and tries to push mm. things for, down further and decides that a you know a property boom is the is the way out of this. <laughs> um, so uh, we think that's unlikely, but um, yeah, that's that's probably your 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 only you'd be your only cause for regret, I think, at, at this point. And then actually, those it's noting as well. We um, we actually updated our uh, property calculator model the other day. We'll, we'll post something on that in the next couple of days. Um, and we we actually put something in because the 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 difference between the standard variable rates and the um and the fixed rates uh, could be quite large at the moment actually. Mm. And so. Um, with, with the fixed rates being much lower than the than the set of variable rates, and so yeah, it's telling, isn't it? It's sort of funny. In my experience, fixed rates have always been um, generally on the banks in the banks' favour. You know, from a risk mitigation point of view, and upside and downside. And at the moment, the fact that they're you know cheaper than the, the standard variable <laughs> says a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, because because that's I mean that's the big thing for people saying okay, if I'm if I'm going to lock into a standard variable at whatever three and a bit percent say, versus being able to take out a, a fixed one at two point seven. Um, you basically are saying, well, okay, I, I think this three and a bit is going to is going to go below that two point seven, so that you know my average mm. over the three years is is going to it's going to get right. cut. And so, and as David said, it's hard to it's hard to work out what they're going to um, you know, what what else the RBA is going to do. Well, sorry, not hard to work out. At the moment, they're what they're saying to the market is they're not going to do anything. So, um, yeah. So in, in in which case, fixing sounds better than um, than than Picking that, then taking the standard variable and hoping that that uh, they'll they'll suddenly fall in love with negative interest rates. Yep, yep. very good. All right, gentlemen, thanks very much for that, uh, and uh, we'll uh, leave it at that one there. Just mindful of time. Uh, so coming up next week, uh, we have a couple of economists, but don't let that ward you off. We've got Gareth Ed, uh, Gareth Ed, sorry, uh, who's a senior economist at the Commonwealth Bank of Australia. He is going to be joining us live with our own resident economist. Leith Van Onselen, of course, as well. So we look forward to that one. That's uh, 12.30 on July the 30th. So don't let that April uh, scare you off there. We'll see you see you next week at, at 12.30. Um, and just to, just so you know as well, we have actually got a another special guest that we're doing a pre-record for next week. Uh, and that's Jeff Booth, who is the author of the number one bestseller, The Price of Tomorrow. So what we're asking is, you, if you've got any questions, this one obviously won't be live. It'll be a pre-shoot. Um, is pop them into the uh, into the the YouTube uh, comments, and we'll pick those up, and we'll we'll make sure that we uh, ask those of Jeff uh, when we record that. Uh, I think in the middle of next week. So yeah. looking so, forward to both of those. So what what Jeff's uh, key messages are is he's talking a lot about uh, technology and a lot about uh, and, and its impact on on deflation and um, yeah, what governments and and what yeah, what what. what what the world will look like in the future with with those two big forces um, impacting us. Yep. So yeah, really looking forward to that one. So it uh, should be a great show, and we'll we'll catch you guys uh, there. So thanks very much for everyone for tuning in. Thanks for your questions and comments as well as always. Um, and we uh, we do hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to see more of our content, head over to nucleuswealth.com forward slash content to start to date. Uh, with news from us follow us of course on our social media channels we always appreciate guest or topic suggestions so if you've got one please drop them in the comments of today's youtube video and finally if you know uh, anybody out there who'd get something out of today's episode or any of our episodes please let them know about them share with friends and help our podcast grow so on that note thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you at the next one cheers